Hey everyone, this is Parallel Proof, the tying of real life to the inspired word, and this one is called Point Blank Proposal. There are some odd people out there. Now, I'm not saying I'm not peculiar and don't have my quirks. I do. Yes, <laughs> sipping red wine vinegar like it's cognac is different. It's definitely a thing of mine. But different personalities, weird appearances, bizarre ways to process thoughts or circumstances, it's what makes us unique and not to be judged on the outside, judged only when true intentions are revealed. It's then that you can decide how you want to handle who it is that declared themselves known. No matter what opportunities are placed before us, no matter what conditions present themselves, the trials in life, the successes, the heartache, the winds, how we decide to handle them and make ourselves known will mold the clay of how we are fired in the kiln of decision. Welcome to Episode 3. So there I was, sitting in a patrol car all geared up, waiting for something to arouse my inner need to exude machismo. Man, I gotta have excitement. It was the drug of choice, and at some point I needed to grab a hit. Well, that fix was about to hit me in the most unlikely of times. It was 4 a.m. on the graveyard shift in the downtown area, and as I sat twiddling my thumbs, too lazy to create some havoc myself, I get this menial dispatch. I'm relaxed and would like to stay so if the call is as boring as it appears. Just let me chill and close one eye. There's a saying among cops, even dead bodies will decompose, meaning if it's an incident that's weak, one that's a waste of time, take your sweet time. Everything will work itself out before you get there. Suspects will be gone. Victims may change their mind. The blaring, ringing alarm call was most likely false. Even a dead body will decompose. Give it time. You won't have to do anything, especially the dreaded paperwork. <laughs> Nobody wants to do that. The dispatcher advised me there was an individual observed relocating construction barriers. You know, those... Triangle-shaped orange and white freestanding metal barriers with a flashing round orange light on top of it. Some individual was taking them from one site and placing them in the middle of the road at intersections to cause vehicles to either swerve around them or divert them unnecessarily. Basically, he's causing mischief for no apparent reason. We have a description and a location. And I don't have much of a fire inside me to go put the pedal to the metal. But, alas, I have to do my civic duty, so off I go. Now, most police calls require two officers, and if you aren't doubled up in one car, then a second patrol vehicle will be dispatched with you. And, side note... It does strike me funny that the city will dispatch two cops to a dude with a gun and will send eight firemen and two trucks to an elderly woman with heart palpitations. <laughs> it seems odd. and I should have been a fireman. Anyway, back to the story. I arrive in the area along with my partner, and we see the barricades, but no one is located initially. 
Both of us move the obstructions to the sidewalk and feel a sense of, wow, I saved the world. <laughs> and then we see him. It's the guy matching the description. He has sat himself on steps outside some warehouse. The business itself is at the corner of the intersection we just saved the world at. The steps this wannabe perpetrator is perched on faces the road, only four steps in height, and is illuminated by one bright light hanging under an overhang covering those steps and the concrete entranceway to the business. He's sitting at the top of the stairs with his feet planted two steps down, normal-looking, non-homeless appearing, but also not normal. Both myself and my partner hop into our cars and move them closer, then we nonchalantly get out to approach him. Now in the academy, you are taught when confronting anyone, you and your ally should approach a certain way, like in a triangle shape the suspect as the point, and the officers as the base, spread apart. And then you close in, one hand always resting on the gun at your hip, ready to, as from a top ten movie of mine, Tombstone, skin it. Skin that smoke wagon, see what happens. I was ready. You always have to be ready, and case in point... As we were moving forward in the department-approved pie shape, and as I asked this guy, hey, what's going on? I'm on the right side as facing this dude, my partner on the left. When we were about now 15 feet away, this guy who had his hands resting on the concrete suddenly jerks his body to the left and his left hand moves swiftly to the left hip. He grabs the handle of something unknown and all I hear is an unsnapping. And then he freezes. His stare at me was angry, cold, and contemplating as he tilted his chin down, glaring under his eyebrows. All this in a split second, and yes, I skinned it. The smoke wagon known as a forty caliber Sig Sauer pistol exited my holster and pointed directly at the one now near death. I had to sidestep to my right to obtain a better angle of what he had in his grasp, and I ascertained in moments that he had in his hand the handle of a knife halfway in its sheath, and that sheath was secured to his belt. Now, in lesser situations, a pulled gun has my pointer finger resting along the outside rail of the gun above the trigger. Not so now. My finger is in the trigger. My adrenaline is off the chain. I alerted my backup that he's got a knife, and I also advised the now suspect that if he made any move in the slightest, I was going to shoot him. Don't do it, bro. Cops are trained that anyone with a knife can close the distance between them and you and stab you faster than you can get the gun out of a double or triple threat holster. Gladly, my gun was already out. See, bulletproof vests don't stop knife attacks, FYI. I went on and asked my partner if he quote-unquote had him. I can't look away to see if my partner had his gun pointed at him as well, so I had to ask. I hear, I got him. Don't do it, I tell this dude. Don't move. I will kill you if you pull that thing out. Back to the story in a few. 
Decisions shape who you have become at this very moment. Some choices are minor, like a tiny trickling stream slowly carving out a path in the landscape of your life. Some can be a tsunami, destroying everything that stands in its way. One decision, one outcome of life or death. In that book most of us have skipped over in the Bible, called Deuteronomy, God was, and is, speaking to you and I. In chapter 30, 15 through 19, God says, I have set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. If you try loving me, if you try to walk in my ways, if you try and do what I'm asking you to do, I will bless you. You will increase and you will live. However, if you turn away and other things or people are more important and get in the way, you will be destroyed. Set before you is life and death, blessings and curses. Choose life, and if you choose life, you will be able to love me and listen to my voice and hold on to me, and you will be given a great many things. There is my offer of life and death. The questions to myself and to you are, what life decisions do you or I need to make to live in the fullness? What needs to be put aside for existence within his blessings? What or who do we need to surrender for a complete, meaningful relationship with our Creator? Here's my parallel. The man sitting on the stairs had a proposal laid before him. A life-or-death decision had to be made in moments. Some decisions take time to make, or some decisions are made over time. Others can alter our future in an instant. How you respond, what you say, how you act, his was to be produced now. He eventually took his clench off the handle and placed his palm on his chest. With one firearm, my partner pointed at his held chest. I holstered mine and approached. I pronounced, you move, you're dead. I reached out and pulled the six-inch bladed knife from its home. Throwing the knife on the roof and out of reach, the man was detained and questioned. He started crying and informed us that he was planning on suicide by cop. He poured out his heart that he had AIDS and was planning on the police ending his mental and psychological trauma. But he couldn't do it. He wanted, in that instant, to choose life. And as his future flashed before him, he wanted to fight for it and change who he had become. Fight for your future. Choose this day, and in each circumstance forging your tomorrow, life or death, blessings or curses. Make the decision to regard God first in all affairs. The proposal is before us, and a great many outcomes await, good or bad. Our choice. I'd love to hear from you. Subscribe and comment and email me at parallelproofpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for being a part of this project, and I hope to have you here next week.